Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about why uh, dating is supposed to be fun, and people forget this, and they get all invested in uh, list making and requirements and kind of this business-like approach that doesn't usually work out and uh, why people do this and who does this. And uh, before we jump into that, please do remember to subscribe. You get over far over 100 extra episodes. The most recent one discussed touchless marriages. And if you're interested in the stuff that I talk about, you would probably also be interested in joining my Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook, then uh, you can press on the blue subscribe button on the main Dr. Psych Mom page. And there's over 200 of us in there talking about issues related to relationships and sex and intimacy and parenting and all sorts of stuff. All right, so dating is supposed to be fun, and for people who are divorced, you are in the stage of your life where everything kind of feels like a business deal anyway, and you work a lot, and you are older, and you're more fact-based and fact-driven, and that can be really good, but also sometimes people can forget that dating is actually supposed to be fun also, and so... A lot of people that think that um, they're supposed to have these excessive lists. I have a podcast called Why Not to Have a Long List of Requirements in a Partner. But a lot of people think that that is, um, you know, not accurate because after all, you want to try to make sure you don't replicate whatever mistakes you had in your marriage and you want to get this person that is very simpatico with you on all these different dimensions. So therefore, the first date has to be somewhat like an interview. But that isn't the case. You know, if the first date is like an interview, the whole thing's going to feel like a, a business relationship. And the reality is that although, of course, there are certain necessary components to compatibility, one major one is whether you can have fun together. And you will not know if you can have fun together unless you are in a zone, in a headspace where you can have fun. If you are trying to schedule dates from like, you know, 6 to 7.30 on specific this this day and this time, it's funny because a lot of people are parents, right? So of course you can only go to a dinner date on a night that you don't have kids. And I understand you need to plan ahead. But like, then sometimes I'll be like, well, why don't you meet this person for lunch or for coffee, you know, during the work day when your kids are at school? And that that would be more spontaneous. So, for example, you wouldn't have to wait like 10 days to meet somebody that you're talking to. You could just meet them tomorrow for lunch. And it's kind of like it, it goes outside the box for a lot of people who are used to thinking very very inside the box and very nervous about um, kind of their schedule and their time commitments. So the the first way that I talk about uh, that I'm going to talk about making dating more fun is to not stick to such a rigid schedule. Try to meet somebody that you click with on a dating app or, or somebody that introduced you to somebody or whatever. Try to meet them as soon as possible. And that could be a lunch date or a coffee date. You know, do not get invested in these things where you're like scheduling out the way that you 
you would for work meetings because you're not even going to be that excited then for like a date that's next Tuesday if currently it's Monday and you got to wait eight days to do it. You know, a lot of your enthusiasm may go away and also the person may meet somebody else, quite honestly. That doesn't mean that it wasn't meant to be with you. That's just they literally might meet somebody else and they were meant to be with you, you know. So you want to move kind of quickly and, and try to be at least a bit spontaneous and flexible on scheduling and phone conversations or texting or whatever. I mean, this stuff should be spontaneous versus really prescribed. You know, I know a dating coach that says that you should never be uh, texting that much before dates because like that's like leads to the death of the first date because people just kind of start texting and then they don't end up meeting. But that's very inflexible. Like, of course, there's going to be differences in that. And if you're a very verbal person, then texting with somebody will make you feel closer to them probably and will make you, you know, that could be like a fun, you know, joking, bantering part of your interaction. So I don't have any prescribed rules like that when I work with clients on whether or not you should text. And my my one only rule is kind of meet them as soon as possible so that you could see if there's real chemistry. But aside from that, do whatever feels good. The same kind of thing as I talk about with when you should have sex. You should have sex whenever you want to. You know, if you are a person who gets extremely anxious about being rejected after sex, A, that's something to work on. Um, But B, I guess then don't have sex on the first date if you don't want. But if you continue to wait forever and ever and ever, then, you know, then you do not know about sexual compatibility. So in general, people that struggle with intimacy and people who are more avoidant and more gun shy and scared about getting involved in relationships tend to put up all of these different rules and walls about like when they could date and how they could date and how long until this and basically have a checklist involving like, you know, uh, what, what are their thoughts about this? What are their feelings about this? What are their belief systems? about this, you're never going to find somebody who's like exactly what you would write down on paper as the ideal match. And most people, I mean, almost everybody has something that they didn't want and wouldn't have planned for that's part of their, you know, part of their spouse's character. Like, of course, like they don't have exactly all the same likes and dislikes. You didn't create them from an algorithm, you know. I mean, they're a real person. So yes, you should have similar values. And I talk a lot about what compatibility means, you know, uh, similar ideas about, for example, how important sex is in a relationship or how important it is to um, hang out with, with extended family or like this or that. But you learn that stuff not from a questionnaire and not from uh, interrogating somebody on a first date, but from getting into a relationship with them. And the relationship part is, is kind of of the hard part for people who struggle with letting go and being vulnerable and taking chances. So what am I really talking about is people who are more rigid or anxious tend to have these questionnaire interrogation interview style dates and the all these rules about when and how you should interact and have sex and introduce them to kids or whatever like all of these things and those usually if you if you drill down people that have those usually are doing them 
because they don't want to get hurt and kind of they're almost sabotaging a relationship from starting because they may be ambivalent about getting into a relationship. You know, if you're self-protecting that much with all these different rules and regulations, then it may be that you're kind of not ready to be in a relationship. You know, and, and it's and that that's a time where you could be in therapy and you could be talking about, you know, like your like processing and grieving the loss of your previous marriage or talking about ways that you could change or that, you know, like there's a whole processing thing after a divorce. It's a great time to figure out what happened on your end, you know, like on, like, like what did you do that contributed to the marital dissolution? And of course, you know, my perspective is that it always takes two to tango. But if you haven't fully worked through that, then, you know, sometimes kind of your brain is telling you something to listen to, which which is that if you have too many guards up and too many rules and restrictions, then maybe you're not ready to be in a relationship yet. Maybe you want to, you know, work on yourself first. And I've talked about you don't need to like love yourself and have like the self-esteem of like the most, you know, highest self-esteem on earth in order to get into a relationship. But you have to want a relationship, you know, and some people don't really. So that's a way that they are kind of uh, stopping themselves from really getting into a relationship is by having all of these factors, you know, all this whole test that a person has to take implicitly or explicitly, you know, um, even to the point where some people want the person to even take a personality test. They want to know their, their Myers-Briggs uh, stuff before, you know, their type or whatever, before they start dating them. And that really indicates a profound discomfort with the idea of merging and with intimacy writ large. So the reality is, if you're ready to be in a relationship, then you have to be ready to be in a relationship and ready to come at it in a more flexible, spontaneous, off-the-cuff kind of way where you are prioritizing having fun with this person. First dates should be fun. Second dates should be fun. Really, all of the dates should be fun. When you're in a relationship, it isn't going to be a laugh a minute constantly, of course. You know, that's when real life comes in. But if the first few dates aren't fun, then then either you're not clicking with this person or you're not bringing a spirit of fun to the entire activity of dating. And either one of those may be accurate. So... If you have dated people, by the way, that have like basically a laundry list of expectations for you and are basically interviewing you, then that's not a very good sign because, you know, they will continue to have these uh, kind of hoops for you to jump through. And they they obviously are coming at it more business-like and thinking more like it's a, it's a job and you don't want to be somebody's employee. You want to be, you know, the love of somebody's life or at least one of the loves of somebody's life. And so, you know, and, and if not, then even if you want just a fun, casual relationship, well, that's not fun or casual either. So steer clear you know, and uh, of people that are making you jump through hoops. And uh, if you are one of the people that's making other people jump through hoops, then realize that the only people that are going to stay are people that do not really have very high self-esteem. Those are the people that are going to basically engage in your interview style dating because other people would be like, this isn't really fun, you know, and this isn't, uh, doesn't feel pleasurable. This feels uh, difficult. So you don't want to be difficult when you're dating. If you have the idea that you really want to be dating, then you should be trying not to be a difficult person. And this in no way means that you shouldn't try to kind of assess character, but you can do that along the way of fun and, uh, you know, pleasurable dating.
So, for example, I talk a lot about women need to see that a man can take care of them, certainly. But this doesn't mean that you are going to give him like a, a an interrogation about ways he's treated previous women and, and how he's going to act with you. It's like a tone. Like some people have this very business-like tone on dates. And that is never what I'm talking about doing. What I'm talking about is to say something like, oh, yeah, like I want to go to, to Italian food. And because you actually do want to go to Italian food, so it's genuine, and see if he goes to Italian food, you know, or if there's a problem because he doesn't like Italian food or, or he doesn't like that restaurant or whatever. So within the context, it's like natural consequences with parenting. As you plan dates, as you hang out, as you become intimate, then naturally you assess somebody's personality. These prescribed like lists and all that kind of thing, that's not natural consequences. So somebody could get like an A plus on the tests and the questionnaires. Obviously, nobody's given a real questionnaire except for that Myers-Briggs type stuff. But um, people don't whip that out on the date either, you know, I hope, but they assess or they could ask or what have you. But, you know, you see a lot of dating profiles where it's like, I will only be with, you know, somebody who voted for this person and somebody who has these hobbies and somebody who read this book and somebody who, you know, is basically this Myers-Briggs type. It's like nobody with any, you know, self-respect is going to, you know, want to be with somebody who's basically interviewing them for a position versus going to want to bond with them in an intimate way that involves a lot of gray area and a lot of flexibility. So you want to be flexible if you want to get somebody who is flexible. And believe me, you want to get somebody who's flexible because open-mindedness and flexibility are traits that really concord with relationship health and success in, in my experience. And closed-mindedness and rigidity, in contrast, are really predictive of a lot of relational problems and are the traits that make couples counseling most difficult. You know, when, when people come to the table and really don't come to the table, basically say I am what I am and I have these hard stops you know that's that's very bad for marriages and it's very similar with dating but you don't have to like um you, th- that doesn't mean that you have no standards or anything so for example you could be real flexible about like where to meet up and what to do and you know um when to ha- have sex or whatever and if the person talks down to you in any way that could be your your standard oh I I'm not going to see this person anymore you know, but like you don't have to self-protect so hard that you don't even put yourself into situations. Where, listen, it, it's like this. If you don't put yourself in situations where you could get hurt, you're also not going to put yourself in situations where you could fall in love or feel anything positive. If you put yourself into situations where you're guarding against so many negative feelings, you're also going to be precluding the development of positive feelings. If you stay within this very constricted band of potential behaviors within dates, then you're not really exposing yourself to the full gamut of human emotion that you would want to experience with this person long term. So the open-mindedness and flexibility, lack of definite requirements. Yeah, you could have a couple of deal breakers, okay, but not not really like a laundry list. If you have a laundry list of deal breakers, then it's possible that you're not really ready to be out on the market. And you want to talk in depth with a therapist probably um, about, you know, why you have so many restrictions and whether this indicates a profound anxiety and ambivalence about moving forward in a relationship because you haven't fully processed what happened to the last one. All right. I hope this was useful for you guys and interesting, and I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye.